Welcome one and all to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. There's a lot of anniversary celebrations going on at the moment to commemorate the 60th birthday of one of those television perennials that crosses the void between archive and modern TV, Doctor Who. And, as here on Vision on Sound we rarely avoid any archive TV bandwagons, we thought that we might have a bit of a chat this week about this old favourite. With that in mind, this week I've invited back Steve Hatcher to talk about the show and the part it has played in his life as an SF fan who came to active Doctor Who fandom comparatively late in life, but who then embraced it to the point where he's become something of a leading light of fandom, certainly as far as the Derbyshire Hoovers are concerned anyway. I think you're really going to enjoy what I hope you'll find a slightly different, slightly contemplative, and occasionally reflective hour as we have a bit of a natter about Steve's life in relation to this remarkable and seemingly indestructible children's television science fiction series that adults still seem to enjoy and follow in a manner that few other shows seem to quite manage. And for one week only, I borrowed an actual set of vintage Gallifreyan time engines to transport us into another of the many worlds of Doctor Who. Steve, how the heck are you? Hello, Martin. Good to talk to you again. We are more or less at the time of year when it's the anniversary of Doctor Who, and of course this year it's a big anniversary of Doctor Who. And I remember uh, when we met earlier in the year, you did say I would be very, very upset if you talked to anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) If you did a Doctor Who episode and didn't include me. I don't um, own Doctor Who, uh, no. and I'm under no illusions that uh, I have any proprietary claim on Doctor Who. But, but, but fair enough. I mean, you are you are a fan who has been a fan for a long time. You know, oh. for almost the duration of the show itself, possibly, and well, also sort of. it's had a very big influence on your life. So I just thought we'd <laughs> we'd we'd have an hour just yabbering on about Doctor Who because it's it's sixty years old this year. It is. And there are going to be lots of other celebrations and lots and lots of probably far more qualified people to talk about it. But I've been a fan as long as I can remember. You've been a fan, presumably, as long as you can remember. And it's it's just one of those shows, isn't it? How do we define ourselves as a fan? Oh, because, no, I mean, because for me, I, I will say as long as I can remember. Well, I, mm. I sort of can remember properly mm. because um, it, the 30th anniversary was quite significant for me. Mm-hmm. Because up till then, um, yes, I mean, I'd always, I'd enjoyed Doctor Who. I saw mm. very little Doctor Who in the 60s. Mm-hmm. I think we've discussed this before. Yes, we have. I was always out at me, my grandparents on a, mm. on a Saturday night. So I didn't see much then. Mm. Um, pretty much watched it 
during the 70s and 80s mm. until I went abroad as a student and missed mm. a little bit sort of early 80s mm. and sort of watched it through to the end there. Mm. But I, w- I wasn't ever an organised fan. No. Uh, I wasn't a member of Duas. I didn't mm. go to conventions. I didn't mm. buy Doctor Who mm. uh, magazine when it started. Mm. I'd got a couple of Target mm. novelizations, but basically I'd got the, the novels from the 60s. The, you smoked the, what you the, didn't inhale, as it were. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But the 30th anniversary in 1993 was the thing that really sparked. Oh, really? Okay, that late. Right. Yeah, sparked me buying, yeah, yeah, buying DVD, mm. uh, well, VHS is absolutely. Mm. I lived down in Essex at the time, and Chelmsford Library mm. had got a very comprehensive collection of Doctor Who VHS tapes. Yeah. Which I borrowed from the library, took home and pirated ruthlessly, mm. and then bought yeah, yeah. later on. I, they didn't stay as pirates, mm. I've replaced them. Is that because you had an interest in old telly generally and that happened to be part of it? Or was it just, was it Doctor Who? I think it came the other way. I had an interest in science fiction. Right. And I'd watched Star Trek Mm. and uh, loved it when the next Mm. generation started and and Mm. all that sort of business. I remember buying my first, how I came to buy my first copy of Doctor Who magazine. Mm. Because for me, sort of the defining thing of being a fan is Doctor Who magazine. Interesting, in, okay. In some ways. Mm. Yeah, I don't know why that is, but that feels quite significant to mm. me. And I know a lot of very good fans don't buy Doctor Who magazine. But I, I had been very much enjoying Red Dwarf. And I'd been buying the Red Dwarf magazine huh. that came out in the early 90s. Mm. And loved that and really enjoyed buying that each month. And then almost without any warning, that stopped publication. Ah. So I was Oh, right. Well, my magazine's disappeared. What am I going to read now? Hmm. And I just happened upon an issue of DWM, which I didn't know existed, to be fair. And there was a copy in WH Smith's in Colchester, I think. And so I bought one and uh, I've been buying that ever since. And and I started buying things like TV Zone and the other general science fiction tally magazines. Starburst, all that. Really developed an an interest in in, science fiction TV. TV episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first making of TV book I ever bought mm. was Dave Rogers' book on the Avengers. Oh, yes. uh, I have that. Yes. So it was actually an interest in television more broadly, really, than than well, specifically it was Doctor Who first, mm. which then led to Doctor Who, mm. and I think Doctor Who led to other television. Right. The Avengers had always been there with me. I'd, mm. I did watch the Avengers when I was a kid, mm. so that was going to be. It's kind of the other way around with me, weirdly. It is kind of the other way around with me. I I remember very vividly the books, the Target books from the 70s. I think my mum bought me, I think she worked in Smith's at the time, and she bought me the in an exciting adventure with the Daleks. And then, okay. and I think basically she was working in the children's department at Smith's and another one came out and she thought, well, you like the last one and got me, and, and little did she know what she was doing. I think this is the monster she was creating. My gateway to science fiction hmm was Asimov. Right. Interesting. Because you're enjoying Foundation at the moment, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Well, mm. it was very specifically the Foundation trilogy. Mm. I, I remember one Sunday, it would have been in 1973, mm. 73, uh, and I'd been horrendously lazy, and I was mm. basically getting washed and dressed mm. in the bathroom at home, aged 14, going on 15, mm. On a Sunday afternoon with the radio on, as I mm. always do have done 
forever in the bathroom mm. and there was the bbc radio version of the foundation trilogy right uh, was on its first broadcast and i turned it on and i missed the beginning and I thought, mm. what's this sounds a bit like sort of roman history type mm. thing but it's not is it it's not mm. quite oh what is it i wonder and then i cottoned on it was a science fiction mm. thing because there were spaceships and planets and, the... and it came to the end and i discovered what it was and i loved it and listened to the rest of it and and then that summer when we were away on holiday i bought the box set of foundation uh, the three mm. panther paperbacks with uh, with the, the wow. nice box the chris foss covers yep so that i was into the science fiction i read oh i think i read all of asimov's science fiction mm. novels and arthur c clark heinlein people like that did you read any of asimov's youth science fiction stuff yes i read those it's the space ranger was it was yeah, it, I didn't think yeah. much of them. They were, yeah, 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 but again, they're up there. Yeah. They're up there on the shelf. Because I remember having those, and again, that was from probably me trying to find something else other than my Doctor Who books to read, if you see what I mean. So I, I tried those. I think that there were some Patrick Moore ones as well. There was. I read those. Yes, mm. I read those. So there was a thing for youth science fiction. Sorry, there were some books by Captain W.E. Johns that wrote ah. the Biggles books as well. Oh. He wrote, what were they called? I, I can't remember, but mm. he wrote a, wrote a series of very, what can we say, uh, very uh, naive science fiction books about <laughs> well, yeah. Bunch of kids picked up by a flying saucer and whisked off to, mm. to various planets and things. It was a bit Edgar Rice Burroughs. There was also a holiday that would have been maybe the following year. Mm. We were in Wales and my me, me dad recommended those Edgar Rice Burroughs Mars books to me. Right, yes. And I read a load of those on that mm. holiday. Never read any since, mm. but really enjoyed them on that holiday, oddly mm. enough. That's a very specific Yeah, it is, isn't it? But the books to a place, yeah. It is fascinating, though, because, like I say, you just get this point in your life. I mean, I got to a point when I was about 13, 14, where literally I would buy any large format, hardback, softback, these massive books that were about science fiction. And they were you know, real doorstep books that would be about the history of science fiction. And I'd probably buy them because they had a couple of pages on Doctor Who in the middle of them, if you see what I'm saying. And there was these massive, and there were pages and pages of stuff, and I'd flip, flip, ignore all that, ignore all that, oh, there's a picture of a Cyberman. And yet somehow... The one was the stepping stone to the other. I mean, I joined Dwaz in, in 1977, you know, mm -hmm. and... You were an early adopter. No, no, this was, again, because at that time, I actually had friends who were interested in it. Now, that, uh. now that's interesting to me because I was about 13, and a lot of people fall away from the show at that sort of age, or did in those days. And I had these couple of friends, and we used to meet and talk about Sontarans and things like this, you know. But uh, we wrote off to the BBC to get the free photographs and there was this slip in it which said Dwaz. So all three of us signed up to be members of this thing for our whatever it was, £5 postal order or whatever, however it became. So it, it kind of became a, a gateway drug, if you like. And for some reason, people, other people seem to grow out of Doctor Who, grow out in the loosest sense of the word and i never did and i've always had this fascination for it you know this thing where people go on about all oh, favorite this and favorite i love them all and that is really a bit sitting on the fence of me but i just never went away from it and this house is full of tats that. <laughs> well my media obsession when i was a teenager wasn't mm really much in the way of telly mm. i became very obsessed with vintage radio comedy 
Right. Oh, isn't it? But it's to do, it was, it'll be to do with two things. First of all, my dad was a Goon Show fan. Right. And we'd got one of the Goon Show LPs mm. uh, in the house growing up, which mm. I loved. He never bought any of the others for any mm. reason. That was left to me by the time I was about 14, mm. 13, 14 to, to buy all the others. And in 1972, there was the 50th anniversary of the BBC. Right. And they played a whole load of vintage radio comedy on, on mm. the radio. There was a series called The Great Shows, I remember, where right. they went through a, a whole load of vintage uh, radio mm. comedy shows. And, and so I blame Ed Stupot Stewart for my interest in, in radio comedy, just because of uh, Junior Choice, that they used to play oh, clips of yeah. Hancock's Half Hour and yeah. things. And, yeah. and I would, that's why I know about things like Hancock, because I'm, you know, he, he, mm. I mean, our lives overlapped by about four years, you know, I, I wouldn't have known about Hancock as a performer. I only know him as, as an archive performer. If you see I that. remember very clearly Clearly, watching the the blood donor, uh, right. it won't have been in 1961 when it was first no. shown. I think it's 61. It would have been on a repeat. But mm. I remember my dad saying, "Watch this; you'll mm. enjoy this." Mm. And that will have been early 60s mm. at some point. It will have been about 63, mm. 64. Mm. I was born in 58, so mm. so maybe 64, 65, something like that. But it is but weird, I, isn't I it? Your memories of things. I mean, I I'm still incredibly jealous of my sister because my sister. I flipped open a copy of one of the Patrick Troughton Doctor Who annuals once, and there's a picture of the uh, Emperor Dalek, uh, yeah. photograph of the Emperor Dalek. And my sister said, oh, I remember that one. And I was like, you know, how dare you? I'm the fan here. I, I can't remember even that. I mean, I was I would have been three, so it's it's not surprising I couldn't remember it. But it's it just fascinates me that she used to borrow my Doctor Who books, like, you know, borrow them and read them in the bath and drop them in the bath. And that was all the kind of sibling stuff that used to happen. But the fact is that I, you know, she would read them. And, and but I had got to that point with, with certainly with Doctor Who, I mean, that would have been what, mid seventies. Genuinely, it was becoming kind of legendary because you never thought you'd see these shows. You never, ever thought you'd see these shows because they were just talked about. I mean, they were ancient history. I mean, when you think about it now, 10 years ago, in Doctor Who terms, is Matt Smith. <laughs> but 10 years ago, when I was a kid, was William Hartnell, and it was like a different, a completely different world. It's a really odd thing that, that your time perception changes. Absolutely, it does. You at least had the excuse that you were too young when all mm. these things run. So there's no way you could have seen them. Mm. I was old enough to have watched them and mm. didn't. I, I, for reasons, I wasn't able to see stuff yeah. in the 60s. Uh, but, you know, when I think I could have basically sat and watched every single episode of Doctor Who. I was, I was five when it started. Mm. I have a memory of the night before Doctor Who mm. was first broadcast. I remember my mother telling me that President Kennedy had been mm. assassinated and it coming on the telly and all the rest of it. Mm. My dad was on a night shift that mm. night, so it was just me and my mother and my younger brother who was, mm. who was in the house. But then, and that stuck. Mm. But then the following night, I was at my grand and granddad's with ITV on and not watching the first episode of Doctor Who. Oh, oh, I could have watched every single episode. And you could even have watched it the Saturday after as well. Could have done, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, at I've least you've a, got that on disc now. You can watch that any time well, you like. Yes, but, you know, all those missing episodes. That mm. I've, I've, oh, dear. I have a memory of watching The Massacre mm. because if I didn't, you know, if I was ill or something, mm. I didn't go to my grand and granddad's, then mm. I could watch it. And I, I very clearly remember watching mm. something which I now know is the massacre. Mm. 
but it was the the Christmas repeat of the Sea Devils that really right got me back into it. Because hey, we went to my grand and granddad's for Christmas as well. I look, I love my grand and granddad. Mm. They were wonderful people. But I do wish he'd have put ITV <laughs> off and put BBC <laughs> on occasionally. But we were the, we were there for Christmas, and we came back. We always used to come back the day after Boxing Day, and mm. we got back in the afternoon. It was always a bit deflating because mm. we enjoyed Christmas. And anyway, turned the telly on, and there was mm. the Christmas omnibus repeat of the Sea Devils, and I loved it. I, have and I thought, right, vague... I'm watching this. I mean, because I know you're a big cricket fan, mm. and I vaguely yeah. remember the Test match being rained the off and there being one, some Doctor yeah. Who, yeah. <laughs> and somehow yeah. I, f I feel that that's a choice you shouldn't have had to make in life. Definitely not. <laughs> no, I would have been cross because the cricket was rained off mm. about that. that would have, but I not cross been... enough not to watch. Was it Planet of the Spiders or whatever it was? It was uh... I think it was the Sea Devils again, wasn't oh, it? Right. I think okay. it was another Could repeat of the Sea Devils. I think. But that was always the thing, wasn't it? That was the thing for me. It was that magical thing. One of the greatest memories I have is that they would show a clip of the Dalek Invasion of Earth film on screen test. And it would just, <laughs> there were these moments, for some reason, I don't know whether it's a fandom thing, but if you are a fan of anything, somehow you have a kind of sixth sense and, <laughs> and you would find yourself accidentally watching Pebble Mill at one and lo and behold, yeah. you know, Tom Baker would turn up or something. I, like I can go into a secondhand bookshop mm. and before I start looking, mm. I know whether there'll be something that I want there. I just oh. I can sort of smell <laughs> that uh, there's something I'm gonna want. Yeah, doesn't it? It is it weird. is weird. Yeah. I think I think what it is, I think your mind plays tricks. And I think you convince yourself that yeah. yes, you knew before you mm. came in. Yes, of course I did. I, I could smell that there was something in here. And here the number is. of years we were looking for a copy of Lady Don't Fall Backwards, and <laughs> and I I, 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 I think I, I, I was given a copy as a present, and and then I, I found about six copies over the course of the next year. It was just how did that happen? How did that, I mean? But I think sometimes it's actually a graphic thing. You you catch the spine design or something like yeah, that. You know, yeah. just a glimpse of it and your brain is sort of tuned in. Now with me it was when I started buying the Virgin New Adventures and right. I bought them late. I didn't buy them mm. at the time. Mm. I bought them as they'd finished. I started buying the Doctor Who novels mm. in nineteen ninety seven, just as mm. they'd come to an end. Mm. Uh, and it, it was particularly, it was Happy Endings, mm. Paul Cornell's Bernice's Wedding mm. one. I couldn't find that for a long time. And then mm. I kept finding copy after copy mm. after copy uh, in, in, in different uh, mm. second-hand bookshops. Uh, Jim Mortimer's charity one uh, mm. uh, campaign. Mm. I kept finding copies of that everywhere as well. <laughs> it's a weird thing being a fan Very of a thing. It, it really is. is. So, is. so the 30th anniversary is yeah. when you started to really become... That's when I started. To, yeah, mm. that's I bought the magazine, and so mm. I was aware of what was happening in fandom. Mm. And they used to do these um, reports from conventions in those mm. days, and uh, a report from Panopticon or whatever. Mm. And I would look at it and I think, well, oh, I don't know whether I would fancy that. There's all these weird Doctor Who fans. <laughs> <laughs> Until was... I went to yours, I'd never been to any form of convention. Not. At all. No, no. Not at all. Well, the first one I ever went to was. Um, Panopticon in 2000. Right. That's the first time I'd ever been to a convention. See, that's a leap, isn't it? From 1993, when yeah, you're not really yeah. a fan, to seven years later, you're going to this thing. And again, yeah. as a as a relatively mature adult... <laughs> I was 42. <laughs> that's what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah, it's an odd I mean. thing, because this is fundamentally a family, if you like, children's programme that seems to have managed to 
weave its way into the lives of a lot of very otherwise sensible adults, if you like. Well, there was all those lovely repeats in the 90s. I mean, mm. we talk about the 90s as the wilderness years. And mm. that, but it was really, the, the 90s was the first time that, it didn't happen regularly, but every mm. so often, there would be a Doctor Who repeat on. Mm. Um, there was the TV movie. There was mm. the two charity skits as mm. well. There were little things to keep us going during mm. the nineties, weren't there? And, then the, and there was the Doctor Who night in nineteen ninety mm. on BBC Two, mm. which was lovely. And so there was all this, so, so mm. there was all things to keep me interested. But that's the thing: you hadn't been a fan. Nineteen ninety three, during the wilderness years, you became a fan yeah. when there is very little Doctor Who to enjoy. But I'd got fifty years, to, well, thirty years to catch up on, hadn't I? Yes, I see. And and it was coming; it, it was all arriving on VHS, and, yeah. and I got access to that. And... I suppose that's the other thing, isn't it? Disposable income at that sort of age is yeah. is something you have, so these things actually aren't as difficult to acquire or or get access to as. Uh... It was not far off my peak earning time, I suppose. Mm. You know, I can mm. I can say looking back from my comfortable retirement that that was probably my peak mm. earning period. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But what was it that made that change? Do you think? Don't know. I mean, there was there was because it is odd, isn't it? When you think about it, it's yeah. just it's peculiar that something that you know was a telly program became something more. It, it always had been there, though. It had mm. always been something I enjoyed. Yeah. But it, yes, you're right, it became something more. But then 2000, it was also 2000, I joined the Hoover's group mm. because I just fancied just seeing what was there in terms of, mm. of fan groups and things. And we were living up here in, in Derbyshire by mm. that stage. And in the um, in the market in Derby, there used to be uh, a store called, I think it was called Eons Books, I-O-N-S, Eons okay. Books. Mm. And it's uh, videos as well. We yeah. um, and I'd sometimes buy a second and two video office with and I would get chatting to him from time to time. But mm. just one of these, one day I just said, you don't happen to know if there is a, a Doctor Who fan group or anything mm. like that around you. He said, well, just as it happens, mm. I've been given these flyers by these chaps who were starting the Doctor Who group. Right. Now, there'd been Doctor Who groups in Derby since the 80s, apparently. Right. Uh, I moved here in uh, the mid-90s, so... Mm. Uh, I wasn't involved in any of that at all. And no. th they'd sort of gone by the wayside, these Doctor Who groups. Mm. But a lot of the people who'd been involved in those had stayed in contact with each other. And I'm still in contact with them. They're still members of the Who. Right. Andrew Mark Thompson was one of those people. Right. People like Gary Finney and mm. Steve Hardy and people mm. like this who had been very much involved mm. from from the 80s and mm. so on. Owen and Adam Richards. So you didn't have a group of friends of any of any in your personal life at that point that at you all. Knew? Really, no. I'd got work colleagues because because yeah. we'd moved to an area that we didn't know particularly yeah. for work, and yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, that's how that was. Uh, we were making friends at work and so on, mm. but uh, but yeah, so yeah, so I fancied doing that. So and so I I got this um I took this flyer and and rang this number on it, and next thing I knew, I was talking to a very good friend of mine now, Gary Finney. Hmm. Gary Finney is there, as, he's called, as he is now, who was one of the founders of the Hoobers Group. And they'd right. started in November 1999. This was now springtime 2000. Hmm. So, uh, and, and they were having monthly meetings. And yeah. uh, I was told about the next one. And so I thought, right, I'm going to go to that. And Tracy, my wife, said to me as I set out to go, don't tell them where you live and don't <laughs> give them your phone number. So... <laughs> Yeah, that is absolutely true. Um, right. I met, yeah, I know. I'd met one other Doctor Who fan. We were, we 
when we first moved to the area, we yeah. rented this house short term while we looked around to try mm. and find a house in, in a village called Roaster, which is okay. the, where the headquarters of JCB are in, in Staffordshire. Mm-hmm. A beautiful, um, futuristic, Jerry Anderson style factory building with right. world headquarters written across the front of it. It's still like that. And with fountains in front of it. Wow. And if a haystack falls apart, an SPV is there. Um, yeah, very much so. Very much so. And, from a, and there's a massive big lake in front of it as well. Wow. So no doubt Thunderbird 3. Thunderbird 1. Through, Thunderbird 1 through the lake. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, so this house we were we were renting, the next door neighbour. Um, the next door neighbour, we, we first became aware of this neighbour mm. because of the very loud arguments that were coming from next door between okay. him and, and his girlfriend. So we were a bit wary of this person. Mm. And um, yeah, okay. Uh, loud arguments and the rest of it. We hadn't met him. And then he, he came knocking on the door. I can't remember what for, for mm. to ask something or other. Not for sugar. And yeah. uh, something like that. And he noticed my Doctor Who DVDs. Oh, you're a Doctor Who fan. Oh, I'm a Doctor Who fan as well. Come round sometime, I'll show you my signed photograph of Nicola Bryan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I did, in fact, go well, and, look, and look at his signed photograph. They, they say Bryan. harm can come to a young boy like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so so when, I've, when, I've, when I set off for this first ever Hoover's meeting that I went to in yes. June 2000, I think it was, up to that point, the only other Doctor Who fan we'd met was this rather argumentative, loud person who lived next door. So... So I trust you quite reasonably. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was wondering, really. I'm never going to see him again. (laughs) She'd come to the conclusion that these people were weirdos and Mm. that absolutely they shouldn't be allowed into our lives. And and I got there and and I and you went anyway. That's, I went anyway. Well, yes, because I did because I, I I had confidence that it wasn't quite going to be like that. <laughs> and I'd been reading Doctor Who magazine, so I could see that there were reasonable, sensible people yeah. who were interested in Doctor Who as well as the weirdos. Mm. That we all we know that there are the weirdos. Of mm. course, there are. And good luck to them. Well, I think that to be fair, there are weirdos in any anywhere anything absolutely absolutely and that and and i I love their company as much as anybody else's Mm. ah yeah so i went to that first meeting Mm. and it was in this uh community space building community building uh in derby and there was a there was a like a a wooden like a scenery flat of the inside of the TARDIS that they put up every time oh, for the meeting. Etched into your yeah, memory. we lost that. We lost that. And there was a quiz and there were games and there mm. was chat and it was and, and there were genuinely really nice people. Mm. Uh and uh Did you win the quiz? Probably not, no, not at that stage. And some of those people that was two thousand, so twenty-three mm. years later. You're some still, of, some mm. of those people are still my very dearest friends. Wow. You know, there's some we've lost along the way. You, mm. you know, people have moved on and mm. got involved in other things, or, mm. or moved, or or in in uh, I think four or five cases, mm. sadly, have died. Mm. Um, we went through a phase where we 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 lost, I think, three people in very quick succession mm. which was very sad but there was somebody um who people might remember from his online activity mm. adam richards mm. uh, uh adam richards was very active on rec arts doctor who and things like that mm. and he was one of the funniest and naughtiest and wittiest people mm. i've ever met he was mm. an extraordinary person and he died in his in his late 30s mm. and very suddenly and uh, mm. Yeah, Adam was was terrific, and, mm. and Robbie Langton, another who was, who was actually Adam's partner, mm. we became 
close friends and he died sadly also a few years later and a few years older than that but mm. still too young i'm getting morbid now mm. uh but we have lost some people over the years and so, we feel so, their absence so um you went to this meeting but what made that because i mean doctor who now plays an awfully large part in your life really wow i mean in in terms of i mean the amount of time you must put in to just keeping the hoovers running but also organizing hooverville every year i mean it's a big chunk of time it's a big chunk of investment and and i know you you're not the only person running it i get that but it's just it's a leap isn't it to to take something that is you know a daft little tv show and because I, you don't really get this with other shows. The, I mean, the, the prisoner people will have, you know, six of one. There are people who like their ITC, but, but there, are, there aren't masses of conventions for no, no. other shows, really. No, there aren't. It's, well, I was determined that I wasn't going to be involved in running this little group mm. that I've got to visit because I've been involved in various other groups and, mm. and, and political things and all sorts mm. of things over the years before then. And somehow I'd always ended up running them. Yeah, if, if you show <laughs> and, willing, they yeah, will. Yeah, I know. I'd, yeah. I'd been absolutely determined I wasn't going to be doing any taking any responsibility. I was going to be mm. a consumer. Mm. So I started going in June of 2000. Mm. And that first year, that's what I was. I was a mm. consumer. I went along to the meetings. I ate the pizza. I, I went I, home. Well, that's <laughs> pretty much right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the summer of, of 2001, the people who were running it at that stage, which was Steve Hardy and Mitch Litherland, I mm. think. So I saw Mitch in Derby the other day. Good friend still. Mm-hmm. And Steve, again, very good friend, was at Hooverville this year. Mm. And they'd been running it. And... Then they passed that to somebody else, um, Ian Farrington, who then went on to work at Big Finish for Gary Russell. Uh, and, and then it came back to Steve and Mitch again. And they said, look, to be honest, we don't want to do this anymore. We've, mm. we've, we, we haven't got the time to be running this group. We, mm. it's, so we think the only answer is we've got to we're going to we're going to wind the group up. Right. And we sat there sort of looking at each other and said, oh, well, that's a shame. Mm. Well, if we're not going to run it to wind it up, we mm. need someone else to mm. run it. And I went, mm. oh, no. And basically, I was the only person. Why is my hand up? Why is Why my is hand my up? Hand? Yeah. It was... It was it's what, Dr. Strangelove all over again. <laughs> what we'd got was... Yes. What we'd got was too good to just stop doing. Because yeah, we were okay. enjoying it too much. We didn't mm. want... Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. We were getting 20 to 30 people at a monthly meeting. Mm. Just to sit around and have silly games and, mm. and, and have a laugh about Doctor Who. Well, this is, what, 2001, you say, more. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, because it's ostensibly, at that point, in terms of a television programme, Doctor Who is a dead entity, isn't it? Dead, 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 dead. I mean, dead. all of the first seven Doctors all dead, is Dave. over. Dead, it's, they're it's, all dead. Dave, and, they're dead. And Dave. has been dead for 15 years. And <laughs> yep. yet there were these other media, but some people don't necessarily recognize those but actually think, in terms of a television program doctor who was yeah, not a yeah. living thing long no, living i i it had ceased to be mm. on to meet its maker mm. all the rest mm. apart from that one night in 96 which... that's it that's yes. it and, and the doctor who night uh on bbc2 in 99 mm. uh, which mm. sort of gives some i th- i think the low point was 2002 mm. because i think that was that until... when you took over <laughs> No, I took over in the, the autumn of 2001. Um, right, okay. So just after you took over. Just after. <laughs> no, I don't mean for our group. I mean yes. for Doctor Who fandom. Because yes. up until that point, we'd always sort of said, yeah, it's going to come back. 
and some people had said, I hope it doesn't come back because really? it was too good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I think they were being a bit contrary, to be honest. But yeah, it was, it's, I don't want it to like come back and spoil it. Yeah, there is a bit, <laughs> there is a bit of that. Yeah, uh, but in, in 2002, I think there was a sort of a collective shrug and a sigh mm. from fandom. And people sort of started to accept the reality that it was probably not going to come back. Meanwhile, of course, there were plans of thought and meetings being mm. held and intelligences far superior to ours were mm. <laughs> looking on uh, and all the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, as little did we know. But but yeah, so I ended up taking over pretty much because there was mm. no one else to do so in, in, in mm. September 2001. Mm. A week ahead of our first meeting, I had a phone call saying we couldn't use this uh, Q workshop place where we'd be right. meeting anymore because of, of there was I don't know why for there was a, because of reasons yeah and so I, I then had to, there was reasons I, yeah. I had to I had to scrabble around and find somewhere else to, mm. to meet and so it immediately became a, a massive pain in the ass really but... yeah and 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 I pretty much straight away decided I wanted to start getting guests to our meetings okay so we started doing a long line of. Not every month, but every three or four months, we'd have a guest. Yeah. And our first ones we had were Paul Ebbs, and the writer, and Steve Johnson, mm. uh, writer, artist, all sorts of things, yeah. who were working for BBV at the moment. BBV was an independent video and audio production yeah. company before mm. Big Finish. Only they didn't do what Big Finish did. They did it without licenses and pretended it wasn't Doctor Who, yeah. when it quite clearly was. So they were oh, that was the... Bill the, Banks. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that was great. And the, the stuff they produced was great, but it was never going to survive long term because they were being very naughty in terms of copyright and all the rest of it. Hey, what? But once Big Finish started, the writing was on the wall for yeah. them. But anyway, so we had Paul Ebbs, who went on to be an Eighth Doctor novelist, who was at our novel experiences mm. event last year, and Steve Johnson. We had a great mm. night with them. And we decided we wanted to carry on doing that yeah. sort of thing. Um, I met Annika Wills at uh, a convention mm. that would have been one of the, probably one of the resurrected Panopticons, mm. I think. Oh, uh, so by this stage, you're going to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and being and, affable, and... Stephen, and actually talking to people. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, um, there is a skill Annika in. came, and, and then Annika introduced Sophie, and we got Sophie to come. and mm -hmm. So we were getting decent guests. Yeah. Where would you meet? We, we were meeting in Derby Polish Club. Right. Which was a bizarre place because this was just before Poland joined the EU. Right. So what you'd got there is that the Polish community in Britain mm. at that stage were basically elderly people from the war. Right. Who hadn't gone back to Poland after the war because they knew they'd be tried for war crimes. Oh, yeah. uh, I think they were all dead. Now I can say this. Basically, they were all ex-Nazi poles, uh, and they run. No, that's unfair. That's that's to massively overgeneralise. Yeah. But I'm quite sure there were well, some there that were a bit you've dodgy. You've got this this venue, yeah, and you've got these people who were from programs that you are buying on tape or yeah, you, yeah. you used to watch as a child or when yeah. you were younger, and you're saying, "Can you come to this Polish club in Derby and yeah. talk to a few?" Yeah. yeah. Well, when I when I first asked Anna to, Annika to come, mm. I did explain to her that we wouldn't be able to pay a fee, mm. uh, that it would just be expenses. And she mm. said, quite reasonably, well, I'm not coming then. Can you arrange something to, to make a fee, to put a fee together? It doesn't mm. have to be a lot. Mm. But 
so we started fundraising and we started mm. doing right. um, uh, an annual memorabilia auction and things like that yeah. and, okay. and basically just charging a little bit for meetings which we'd always done that to mm. cover the cost of the rooms but mm. no just a little bit more so we could put some money aside right yeah and, and it started to snowball because once and how, how many times a year would this be monthly or this, no 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 we'd, we'd meet monthly mm. but we'd have a guest every three or four meetings mm. so maybe three or four times a year we'd and have, were they we'd have a guest i mean because doctor who it divides opinion i mean i know even amongst fandom it divides were were they kind of heated discussions you would have on your monthly or was it always terribly friendly well i remember when we had that very first meeting when we had paul evans and steve mm. johnson it got quite heated mm. because paul in particular was very much uh, arguing in favor of the new adventures books right. at the time which i think did divide people and i mm. absolutely love those new adventures mm. But there were some people who felt this wasn't proper Doctor Who and the rest right. of it. Well, there's a, there's a word, isn't it? I mean, there's there's an expression, proper Doctor yeah, Who, which, which sort of goes down the years, doesn't That's it? That's resonated, hasn't mm. it? Yeah, it, it, it? So there was there was quite a heated uh, yeah. thing there. But, but the thing I've always loved about Hoover's gatherings and Doctor Who things in particular mm. is that Doctor Who fans relentlessly take the mick out of the show that we love mm. and that, that I mean, there yeah, are some british Doctor Who fans yeah. yeah there are some dot two fans who just can't do that and mm. can't understand that that's right that it's that you don't love anything any less just because mm. you take the mick out of it mm. there are some people who struggle with that mm. concept but okay. with the hoover's group we haven't had that we've we've been we've been always always ready to have a laugh mm. at ourselves yeah. I think what we're doing. Do you think that's part of the programme, though? I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Ian, who had been been running the group, one of the people mm. running the group before I took it over, mm. he went off to work for Big Finish, mm. and that gave us all sorts of great contact. Ah, yes, of course. And that's that's how we met people like Nick Briggs and Gary Russell mm. and Rob Shearer. You know, yes. Yeah, and they <laughs> and they were happy to come to Hoover's meetings mm. without a fee, mm. and uh, as long Just as we've chat, covered expenses, chat with yeah, other fans. Yeah. yeah, and Paul Cornell as well, who came mm. in those early days. So we had some great guests. One of our chaps on a work event. He went on a training session from work, mm. and the person doing the training was Glenn McCoy, who wrote Time Lash. Right. So, so we met Glenn, and right. he came and did it. Is this always the thing, though? I mean, did people sort of walk up to people and say, "Are they looking for the Doctor Who connection?" And can you come to our meeting? Is it because it's amazing to me, Doctor Who as a, as an entity, ever since the new show started, how many people have sort of come out of the closet yeah. who would yeah. never have admitted to being fans of of this I silly know, little I show. Know you know, all those years ago have suddenly started. It's become a bit mainstream, hasn't it? <laughs> it's like a seam of gold that runs through mm. British society. I mean, it is bizarre. You meet Doctor Who people in the most bizarre places. Mm. My next door neighbour, I live in a, a tiny little village in Derbyshire. Mm. My next door neighbour is the cousin of Tara Ward that was in uh, Warriors <laughs> of the Deep, whose husband was Ray Lonnan, who mm. was in Frontier in Space. Mm. So... The last time that Tara was visiting her cousin Kelly next door, she came came in and and spoke with me, and, and we met, and she signed wow. pictures from me, things like that. There's a warm just, just, there, just, isn't well, there? Well, not warmth. finished, not yeah. finished, not finished, not finished. Just down the lane at the back of us mm. uh, goes to this house where where we have Tristan Peatfield, okay. who was 
a production designer on Doctor mm. Who briefly between Ed Thomas and Michael Pickwood okay. during the during the Matt Smith era. He worked in the art department okay. during the uh, David Tennant and Matt Smith eras. Mm -hmm. So in a tiny village in Derbyshire, mm. I've got two people here mm. with connections to Doctor Who, one of whom's actually worked on it, the other mm. one related to two people who worked on it. But this is the thing that gets it's, me. It's it's, there's a genuine warmth, but television our television program especially a long-running television program doesn't exist in a vacuum does it the people who work on other television have usually worked on a show like that at some point, some point yeah. in the same way that people who work on coronation street have yeah. worked on other you know play for today whatever the actors the production people it was it was another job to them yeah. So sometimes fandom starts to think that only Doctor Who exists and nothing else does. But yeah. it's actually, it seems to be something that people talk about fondly, maybe because in the end it brings them a bit of extra income when they're retired or whatever. But it's definitely got a warmth to it. It's definitely got this this feeling of, of a community, a belonging. And it seems, of all the television that's been made in the last... 80 odd years mm. it seems to be certainly in britain the one that really has the most following and there maybe that's because having two bites at the cherry you know coming yes. back there was a time when that wasn't the case wasn't mm. there? i mean i know toby haydock talks about actors at a certain point in the late oh, 80s, wouldn't 30, put it on 90s, the cv mm. wouldn't put it on their cvs and so mm. on absolutely whereas these days you'd very much put it front and center on your mm. cv wouldn't you mm. and i think that long break that long wilderness period wilderness mm. years period had an odd effect on fandom mm. because it very much empowered fans to go ahead claim ownership of this program mm. that the BBC didn't want anymore mm. to begin writing Doctor Who stories, mm. to make Doctor Who videos sort mm. of, and that sort of thing. There was a, an enormous amount of creativity associated mm. with that period, which then fed into the new series when it came back. Mm. But at the same time, there was a negative side to that, mm. that that proprietorial feeling about the show. Oh, this is proper Doctor Who. Everything this is proper Doctor, Doctor Who mm. and this is not proper Doctor Who. Mm. And I've been here since 1960, whatever, 1970, whatever, 1980, whatever. Mm. So I know what proper Doctor Who is. Mm. And these Johnny Come Lately's have only started. To <laughs> How can you be a real better. fan because you've only been watching you since? Yeah. yeah. And that is hugely negative. Mm. And that, I think, came about because of that period where, mm. because of the good side mm. of that, because of the. Mm. Because fans were prepared to take. Well, I, I mean, to be fair, I've noticed that in your uh, Facebook, for example, you're very much uh, against that sort of negativity. I know you, yes. you you do tend to stamp on that very quickly if it, if it yeah. starts manifesting itself. Now, obviously, the show came back in 2005, which is astonishing March. amount of time ago March now. March 2005. I mean, when you think about the two parallels, now we'd be at the end of the Tom Baker era. Yes. If you know they're running in parallel, last, really last month, of... last month September, mm. the day after my birthday, mm. the twenty sixth of September. Oh, happy birthday, Steve! <laughs> well, that was last month. Uh, you're too late. I know. Uh, I, always, 20... I, I don't pay much attention to birthdays. I apologise. Twenty sixth of September mm. was the date where, in two thousand and three, mm. when it was announced that Doctor Who was coming back. Right. So it's been twenty years last month since we knew Crazy. that Doctor Who was coming back. That 25th, 26th September, mm. 
I think it was two years ago, 25th of September, was the date when it was announced that Russell T. Davis was coming back as well. Yeah. So so I had a lovely birthday present twice. In, well, in it's all basically for you, Steve. The whole thing uh, I think so. is it's really... It's all about me. Yeah. It's all about me. 2003 <laughs> and then 2020, uh, 2021, rather, had those two wonderful birthdays. So presents. did 2005 make a difference to your fandom experience, to your Doctor Who experience? Yes, um, it did, because... All of a sudden, people did. I'm not going to say started coming out the woodwork because mm. that sounds derogatory. No. And I don't mean it no. uh, derogatorily. Uh, but once Doctor Who came back on television, and it didn't come just come back on television, mm. it came back enormously on television. Mm. And it came back to acclaim on television. Mm. And all those people who had been Doctor Who fans, mm. proper, genuine Doctor Who fans, mm. but had let go. Mm. And quite reasonably, because as yeah. we said before, it was a dead show. Mm. You know, why would you? Keep and people get older. And... People yeah. get older, of course. Life priorities they, change. Yeah. A lot of those people started coming back. And right. We started, people, we started well, success breeds success, doesn't it? I mean, of you've got to be honest that people, you know, if something is not successful, they do tend to step away from it. Do you so... know, I, I remember... No, well, let me finish that thought first. Mm. That people started coming, but we started seeing people in Hoover's meetings mm. who hadn't been active in fandom since oh early nineties, eighties. Yeah. You know, mm. people started coming back, which was wonderful. Mm. Over the years, that dropped off again, mm. and there was a certain sector of fandom that lost interest during the Stephen Moffat years, right? And didn't like the way that I, I think personally that Stephen Moffat is one of the greatest writers ever to write for Doctor Who mm. and indeed for television mm. and how lucky we were to have him mm. but there were some people who didn't take to his writing yeah. style and lost a little bit of interest mm. there and said oh well I can't wait till Moffat leaves because then I'll be able to watch again and then it was announced that Jodie Whittaker was the new Doctor mm. a woman Doctor we can't have that mm. I'm not going to ever watch it again and it tended to be the same people who who, who decided they wouldn't watch uh, it's a peculiar that. show from that point of view isn't yeah, it, it is. because it is. again as a show that can change its identity <laughs> Yes. Sort of three or four, you know, every three or four years becomes yeah. a completely new entity. Yeah. It does seem to alienate as many as it embraces in some it does. ways. It it's, does. And it's it's a kind of weird show from that point of view, because obviously, presumably over the course of the last 23 years since you've been running this, you've you've weathered those storms. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever lost the faith, Steve? Nah, not really. I I've just thought that actually takes me to thought I was just about to say. I remember it would have been sometime in the late nineties, mm. and Tracy uh, and I were wandering down a street somewhere, and there was a toy shop, and in the mm. window there was all the the latest action figures mm. of the latest fad at the time, whether it yeah. be Ninja Turtles or whatever was big at the time. Mm. And I remember saying to Tracy, one day, <laughs> one day, Doctor Who will come back. And this will be full of Doctor Who toys. And it happened. <laughs> and, and, and it happened. And I, I, I sort of always believed it would. Mm. But there was that day when I walked into Toys R Us in Derby. Mm. And there was the most enormous Doctor Who display. Mm. Going all the way up a wall and the theme mm. tune playing and a massive mm. David Tennant. And, mm. and I just stood and looked at it and i couldn't quite believe what i was saying it, but there was there's been those moments mm. there was the jurassic park moment as mm. i always call it 
in 2005, before mm. it first came back on the telly. Mm. And we'd been having a Hoover's meeting and there was Andy Thompson, there was, there was, there was a few others of us. Yeah. And I was dropping them home because I, I was the one with the car uh, after a Hoover's meeting. Mm. And we drove down London Road in Derby and we screeched to a halt because ahead of us, there was one of those giant, Oh, yes. posters of yeah. Christopher Eccleston and Billy yeah, Piper. This was one halfway to work for me, I remember, yeah. It was the Jurassic Park moment. It was yeah. when the car stops and, and we sort of stood dropped. up and couldn't yeah. believe what we were looking yeah, at. Amazing. And we got out. We sort of parked yeah. illegally somewhere, yeah. got out the car, and we couldn't quite reach to touch it because it was higher than it looked. But so what is it, started, though? Oh. What is it about Doctor Who that still sort of excites you? It still makes people this interesting, in your opinion. I mean, in my opinion, well, it's a touch of magic, isn't it? I mean, it, it is science fiction, but it mm. isn't really because it is all it's magic, really. Mm. But then, if it ever gets magicy, I don't like it. If, <laughs> if, if, if ever That's gets, not proper, yeah. Doctor. No, 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 no. I, no. I was writing writing a little piece the other day about um, uh, Planet of the Dead, mm. and I was saying how much I didn't like the fact that there was the, the woman in there mm. who had got visions of the future, mm. and he will knock four times and all mm. that, and we can do without that. Yeah, but then <laughs> again, you see, Doctor Who is actually. I mean, it's. I mean, did you write before? Yeah. You're a fan. I mean, is is it because it seems to have brought other things into your life? I mean, it, like I say, yeah. organizing conventions, organizing uh, these meetings, uh, all this, all this social life, but also right. things like the writing and what right. have you. It does I, seem well, to have. I used to write uh, little political pieces mm. for uh, for a political newspaper back in the eighties yeah. when I was involved uh, mm. in uh, political things politically. Yeah, politics in Sheffield. Uh, so that that's my first published writing. Mm. But my first proper published in a book fiction was a short trips for big finish right. because ian mm. had gone off to work for them in right. farrington mm. he was put in charge of uh, the short trips mm. books that they were doing at the time he was the the range editor mm. and uh, he was and about it's who to, you know it's who you know he was about to edit his first book mm. himself short trips past tense it was mm. called and he got in contact and he said i know you fancy writing and i believe you can do it do you fancy mm writing a short story so so i wrote a short story mm. and i'm so grateful for that mm. um because ian said to me basically you, i've okayed your storyline mm. we know you're gonna write if you make a complete mess of it don't worry because it, we're using it anyway i'll put it right mm. now he did make a few he, he mm. made a few tied bits of tidying up and changes and things mm. in that first story mm. but i ended up writing five stories for the, mm. the short trips books which is lovely mm. And, and, you know, there I was, semi-professional writer. Mm. I was getting paid to write stuff, which mm. was extraordinary. But at the same time, I knew that could end at any time. Mm. Because, I, I don't know, as I always felt that at any time, that could be my last story. And yeah. sure enough, one day it was. Mm. Because Ian moved on. Uh, I wrote I wrote one for a book, for a, for a short trip mm. book that wasn't edited by mm. Ian. Uh, Neil Corey edited one that I, I wrote in where yeah. I approached him and said, look, I was part of Ian's team. Uh, I'd love to pitch for this. Would you, would you mind? And he was very good enough to publish one. But yeah, that was the end of, of, of that. I mean, I've, I've written, I've, I've done a couple of pieces for Doctor Who magazine, which mm. I was in more recent years, which, mm. uh, but that was the last time I was paid to write anything. But, but in terms of the show, I mean, obviously, you know, as with a lot of fans, you've spent a fortune on buying stuff. Oosh. 
over the years, <laughs> but do you feel that the show has given you more back in terms of you know, friendship or in terms of professional I, I've made lots of engagement? I've made lots of friends through it. I, I mean, I, whatever I've, writing career you had yeah, came from yeah. from that show. I've yeah. become I've become a for a short while I was a semi professional writer, mm-hmm. and and I know I can do that, mm. and and I know I can write because of that. I know I can write stuff. Mm. So I'm writing another book about. Mm. Uh, I can't say too much, but no, it's no, about, no. It's but about you are doctor. you are still writing. I am writing, because of that I am writing a Doctor Who book professionally for which i will get paid mm. and that'll be yeah that's a proper mm. book and that'll be so that's again that's the, the show giving back years. to you yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Mm. oh yeah absolutely it's mm. been it's been lovely so yeah. you've got no regrets of going out on that cold winter night and going to that first meeting oh heavens no but that's, that's it i've i've i'm I'm still in touch with those people. They're mm. still my friends. Mm. And that, that, this, this, of course, was the time that the internet was was mm. starting and social media and things like mm. that. And I suppose, you know, within a, a few years, I've got friends all over the world who, who mm. I'd never met before. Not round here, but all over the world. <laughs> well, absolutely. Yeah, they all hated me here. Yeah. <laughs> no, Sorry, I I'm just bringing us back to Tony Hancock. I'm probably... <laughs> It was the most wonderful thing that, that mm. I was able to talk to Doctor Who fans in mm. Australia or New Zealand or yeah. Canada, which, I'm, you know, I still talk to these people, I still know these people mm. online. Some of them are met And this is that you've got personal friends now who were actors in the show you watched. I mean, that... Yeah. that... I, I never like to make too much of that. No, fair, but because... the point is that you... You you mingle in those circles. Yeah, these yeah. Days. I, yeah. The, the, yeah. There are some people who, who who know me. Let's put it that way. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't ever want to to call no, those no. Doctor Who celebs yeah. friends. Although yeah. you know, I one or two very, are on your Christmas card list. So we'll no, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't do Christmas cards to anybody. I'm no. very mean in terms of that. <laughs> but um, join the club, man. Join the club. There are there are some <laughs> Doctor Who people I'm very fond of, but I don't go out for a drink with them. No. No, no. To be fair, uh, you know, people, well, well, people like Sophie Aldrin. Well, I mean, as I, as one I of the said, nicest people I've ever met. Yeah. Uh, as I said on the on the show I did about uh, Hooverville, you know, I felt I needed to get out of the green room because I didn't belong there anymore because it was you know, that was oh, uh, no, but you know, that's what I'm saying. You, they're there, but I can't really chat to you like we're old mates. You know, I've got to, you know, you know what I'm saying. Well, well there's, there's a fair few of these people who I've worked with a few times mm. now, and and. I'm someone like Gary Russell again, mm. uh, one of the nicest people you Lovely ever chap, hope to yeah. meet. Uh, who I would call a friend, actually. Mm. I would call Gary a friend. And uh, and and if 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 we live close by, I dare say I would go out for yeah, a drink with him or whatever. But, but I wouldn't want to presume upon people who, when it comes down to it, who I've paid to come and spend time yeah. with me. Mm. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't presume. Yeah, it's a different dynamic. Isn't it it? is yeah. a different dynamic. But um, so of the program itself. You confident about the future? Well, yes, I am. I mean, I don't think it'll go on and on and on forever and ever mm. and, and not stop. Mm. I think probably there will come a time where it goes away again mm. on telly, mm. but it'll still be around in other forms then. There'll still be mm. books, there'll still be comics, there'll still be audios, mm. and then it'll come back again. On telly. I, I think it's one of those things that... Well, Star Trek a, did that, didn't it? It well, disappeared for a while. Absolutely. And, then, and, and other mediums, you know. Yeah. So it does, as you know, generation, I mean, you know, can we say that in 100 years' time there will be Doctor Who? I don't know. It'll but, be there in some form, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's become one of those things. That I suppose you know, Shakespeare survives the centuries, you know, yeah. and if and if humanity survives, then probably in some form, 
of the television of the late 20th century it's probably the one that's probably going to, to yeah it, it's of the same it's on the same sort of level i think the doctor is on the same sort of level as something like sherlock holmes mm. robin hood mm. dracula mm. those sort of characters that mm. in some form mm. Well, they've entered the culture, mm. and they're there, they are going to be there with us. Pe people in a hundred years, in two hundred years, in five hundred years, will know what you're talking about if you talk about Robin Hood or mm. Sherlock Holmes or the Doctor. Mm. Now, the face they might have in mind when you say the Doctor with them mm. is going to be quite different, probably, from the one we have now. I think. Mm. Well, we know, don't we? If uh, 30, 40 years ago, if you'd said the doctor, mm. the majority of people would think Tom Baker. Mm. You'd probably have to say Doctor Who, wouldn't you? Mm. And they'd think of Tom Baker. These days, a lot of people under, uh, uh, a lot of younger people mm. will think of David Tennant's face mm. when they see that. But then I think that's true of Robin Hood as well. Mm. I think people of our generation say Robin Hood. You probably think of Richard Green. Mm. You might think of Michael Braid, mm. but, but you're probably going to think of Richard Green. Mm. Or perhaps that's a generational thing. Perhaps it's just I'm that bit older than I Well, think. yeah, some people might think Kevin Costner, but... Uh, well, yeah. of course. Because we yeah. all know he's American. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yes, say, I, I get what you you're saying. Sherlock Holmes. You know, but are you are excited you... about... Because here we are at the 60th. Are you excited about what's about... I mean, presumably, at the time this finally goes out, the anniversary shows will have been on but are you looking yeah. forward to this brave new era are you are you excited I, by that I really are your fans club really, sided yeah. i really am yeah. um i'm surprised because i didn't think they were necessarily going to make a big thing of the 60th right. i mean 60th yeah i mean is there going to be a big thing every 10 years now is the thing? <laughs> is it, is it, is it, I, well i, I mean you won't did get the big brian thing may to... standing on top of the tardis with his guitar <laughs> They, uh, yes, they, they, you're right. They did start doing it with the Queen, didn't they? No, I don't mean the band. I mean <laughs> Every the 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, there the, the seemed to be a jubilee coming around quite regularly. Yeah. Uh, with, with we, I, still we've seen, I think we've seen our last jubilee. I mean... <laughs> yeah, I think they were quite keen to make sure she survived long enough to have that one last mm. year. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, any road up. Yes, I'm surprised. I, the 50th anniversary was such a big thing mm. and, and felt very significant. Mm. The fact this show had been around for 50 whole years. Mm. Um, it must be have been very difficult for Russell T. Davis to, to work out what to do for the mm. 60th. And, and I'm so pleased they're not doing a 60th special. Mm. But in effect, they're doing a 60th anniversary series, aren't mm. they? They're, gonna, they're coming back for a mini-series. Mm which I think is a great idea. Mm. I shall be very surprised if it's a multi-doctor extravaganza, but equally I shall be very surprised if there isn't some reference mm. to... to, to there is a, it is a show that constantly surprises you and keeps you interested. So well, I the, think the, we've covered that, our hour, but... Uh, does that complicate... Got... Just very quickly, there's yep. that complication that there was the BBC anniversary special last year the mm. the uh, power of the doctor yes, of where course. they did bring back all the past doctors and it feels as if we're getting two anniversary specials in two years which we are <laughs> but, oh very strange but yes Such very much looking forward to it and russell t davis coming back is wonderful mm. because the, now that the show is being made by bad wolf for the bbc mm. 
I envision a situation where Russell Davis is in charge for two or three years mm. and then steps aside and mm. keeps a, a watching a brief on it. Mm. Yeah, and that there will be different producers doing mm. it, but that he will have an overall watching brief. I hope that's how it's mm. going to work out. Such enough. riches indeed, and we all hope that we'll still be watching in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years' time. Such are the things that dreams are made on. <laughs> yeah, 30 years, I should be 95. Yes, that would be nice. Keep yourself well, man. Keep yourself well. Well, thank you very much for that today, Steve. It's always a joy to talk to you, and uh, I uh, I hope you enjoy the anniversary, and uh, I will, sure I will. Speak, speak to you soon. You take care. Speak to you soon. Take care, man. Thanks to Steve Hatcher for joining me to talk about Doctor Who from his own very personal perspective on this rather special week. And as the blue box of possibility fades into the enigmatic unknown once more, that's another edition of Vision on Sound falling into eternity. Before I go, I must thank everyone at Fab Radio International for everything they do to keep our Artron energy flowing. And of course, my thanks go out to each and every one of you for listening. As ever, I have been Martin and this has been Vision on Sound. Goodbye for now and take care.